Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tate. Welcome back to another mini episode of Talk Dizzy to Me. We are in day two of our virtual vestibular conference. I am Dr. Danielle Tate, a vestibular physical therapist and joined by my co-host, Dr. Abby Ross, also vestibular therapist and neuroclinical specialist and today's host of day two of our virtual conference which went very well, a couple of glitches, but what's a conference that's virtual without a couple of glitches, in my opinion? <laughs> it is so our virtual. first time, okay? Our first time over here. Yes, yes. I mean, I mean, we are definitely up for more practice. Anybody else that wants us to moderate their virtual conference, you let us know, we're always available. Well, anyway. <laughs> it actually is really fun. Once you get in the groove of it, it's pretty yeah. fun. I had no idea the technology technical issues were even going on until I, my phone started blowing up. Uh, it's ended. Where are you? It's skipping. It fast forwarded. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not touching anything. I don't know. That was like when I forgot to unmute my mic on the first day. I probably had five text messages within five seconds. So it was a good heads up. Thank you for everybody for looking out. I know. Um, so today's today's topic was psychological impacts of vestibular disorders. Um, we had two great speakers up in NYU, your previous coworkers. Mm -hmm. um, I, I could have that must have been so amazing to have that aspect um, to add to your patient care while you were working up there, because the psychological aspect of vestibular therapy and vestibular patients is huge and so important and almost vital in some rehab for our patients. So, I mean, what was that like working so closely with people who had experience with patients in vestibular dysfunction? Yeah, I mean, I didn't even realize how much of a treat it was until I left, of course, but um, not only having them there to refer to them, but also being able to bounce ideas off of them. You know, maybe maybe this patient doesn't need full-blown psych services, but what are some things that I can incorporate into my sessions to help this patient with their stress and anxiety? What are some apps I can use? What are some breathing strategies I can use? Um, is, is a relaxation technique appropriate for everyone or not? And the truth is it's not appropriate for everyone. For people who have clinical depression, you might not want to do some of those deep relaxation techniques that we might use for someone else with vestibular symptoms. So it was really just nice to learn more about that realm. Now in my practice, I feel really comfortable taking patients through some of the more psychological aspects of vestibular care without necessarily having to refer them to a psychologist. Of course, I will if I feel it's appropriate. But adding that element to vestibular rehab is so important and I think key to a lot of people's success in recovery and continuing on in life with an invisible illness. I think having this presentation today and having people listen into the importance of psychological impacts and, and talking to somebody and potentially thinking about reaching out to um, somebody who can help and the mental aspect side of things was really important because a lot of people think that there's a negative stigma attached to that, or they're not open to a recommendation to us to talk to somebody or potentially go and see a therapist because they think it's like, oh, like, I'm not crazy. It's not in my head. And that's not what we're trying to do at all. There's a lot of studies out that show adding something like cognitive behavioral therapy to vestibular rehab is an excellent way to approach diagnoses like 3PD. 
Um, but you have to tread that very, very uh, fine line and kind of walk on eggshells when proposing this to patients, um, especially when they've already been passed through the healthcare system from provider to provider, making them feel like they're they're crazy or they're not being believed. So yeah. I think seeing so many people show up today, I think we had over 350 people watching live at this point today yeah. um, to listen to that, that presentation it was huge. And the chat was just lighting up again with so many people saying, yes, that's exactly how I feel. Or, you know, exactly what you're talking about. Like they really connected with these presenters and what they were saying. And it looked like they're in full agreement with everything they presented on, which was really, really cool. Yeah, you know, our audience might have been slightly swayed because the people who registered for this event most likely have anxiety associated with vestibular disorder. But yes. for sure, I mean, I hear more often than not that psych symptoms increase the physical symptoms and kind of that vicious cycle that Dr. Majevich was talking about today. I also think that just having the validation of hearing from others like you that no, these things, these, this is real, you know, mm -hmm. your family might not know it or recognize it. Your boss might not recognize it, but we do recognize it. These things are real things that you're feeling. And, you know, we are here for you and empathize with you in that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, so important. And I, I think that brings up a good point too. how you mentioned, we have a lot of people with anxiety attached to their vestibular dysfunction. And, you know, that's why people tuned in, but a lot of the times the patients that you see present with vestibular dysfunction and are very limited by it tend to be these very type A, um, high anxiety, overactive nervous system type patients. And that's because when their nervous system is already so um, sped up and kind of just excited all the time, adding any sort of vestibular dysfunction on top of that just creates this cascade of symptoms, which again, creates that vicious cycle. Anxiety and stress will just amplify dizziness. So if you're already you know, stressed and anxious that you're dizzy, being stressed and anxious about it, it's only going to make you dizzier. And then when you get dizzier, that increases your anxiety and you just start this really bad snowball effect of um, decompensation and not moving and um, coming up with really bad compensatory behaviors. So getting that under control is very important to help speed up some recovery and kind of help you out on that journey to wellness, which I was really thrilled to hear about from our patient panelists today. Um, we had Emily Engel, uh, Engelert, and Englert yeah. and Kelsey Flint. And I actually went on Kelsey's website and bought one of her Make Vestibular Visible t-shirts because they're really, ah. really cute. And I love wearing anything I possibly can related to vestibular. Vestibulaholic. Oh yes. <laughs> um, but I have to say, just the two of them, their their presence on social media and their websites is so helpful, I think, for a lot of people and a lot of other patient panelists or patients in that same field that do that because so many people feel so isolated and alone, which again, adds into depression and anxiety yeah. and issues. Oh, so this yeah. is a huge, huge part of vestibular dysfunction, which I'm so, so glad that we had the ability to um, you know, have a presentation on this topic today because it, it really is a big aspect that doesn't get talked about often enough, at least. Right, right. And I wanted to say one thing as I piggyback off that, but I said hello, Vestibuloholic, because for those just listening, Danny's actually wearing a shirt that she made that says Vestibuloholic on it. So if you're not watching YouTube and just listening, <laughs> check out her shirt. Go to YouTube, um, and check out her shirt, and send in your orders. 
<laughs> I'm the nerd that wears that to every continuing ed course I go to. So it's, uh, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. But yeah, you know, you're right. Those ladies are so amazing on social media. And again, just hearing the validation that there are other people like you, sometimes that alone can be so relaxing. And also recognizing the fact that anxiety and stress can increase symptoms. I feel as though you might be more attentive to managing those psychological aspects or or at least being aware that that's what's happening. If you're aware of it, then we can hopefully help to decrease it and um, control it a little bit better uh, rather than letting it kind of spiral out of control, which it often does at least initially until one, you get a, a, a good diagnosis, you find a good healthcare team and you can relate you find people to relate to or a support group, you know, those three, those three things I think are key components in recovery and life with the vestibular disorder. Yeah. And you know, this was kind of mentioned a little bit yesterday and a little bit today, but unfortunately you really have to do your research and your due diligence and be your own advocate as a patient, because in some aspects, yes, with being a part of a support group can be a little bit more anxiety producing. If you're just sitting there and Googling or listening to all these horror stories all the time. Um, or if you're trying to see a therapist that doesn't have experience with patients with the, uh, vestibular dysfunction. So even when it comes to navigating the healthcare system and finding the right therapist and finding that support network, we still encourage you to do your due diligence, do your research, call ahead, ask questions, and don't be afraid to get that second, third, fourth, fifth opinion until you find the right person to work with. Once you find that right person or that right treatment approach, things will, will flip. That was, I think, one thing that both Kelsey and Emily kind of um, talked to when they were on their patient panel was, yeah. you know, they went through 21 months and almost, you know, over two years to get a diagnosis. And in that time, they did find something that was their, almost their little switch. They had to do a lot of work personally, and they had to do a lot of work, um, you know, rebuilding their lives. But they did eventually get to that point where they found that one treatment that worked for them. And they're holding on to it, but they're also able to now use that extra energy and that wellness that they've been achieving to help other people. But you right. have to do your homework and you have to make sure you put in the time to do the phone calls to find the right people. Don't just find the person that can get you in the soonest. Um, and that's going to be able to, uh, you know, throw something your way. Do your homework. Right. Make the phone calls. And we spoke about this yesterday, whether it's your vestibular physical therapist, call the office, ask the questions. But same thing with a psychologist. If you do need to go that route or that would be a supportive part of your care, make sure you're calling the offices. There's I don't even know how many psychologists in the world, but not all of them. I can guarantee you not all of them have even heard of your vestibular system. So if you can find one that at least knows a little bit about what you're going through, then I think you'd be ahead of the game when it comes to relating to your psychologist and getting the treatment that's most helpful for you. Yep. I also um, wanted to, to, to note that sometimes certain triggers for you are not the same for someone else. So for example, some people might find their work environment to be more relaxing. They're, they're doing something, they're feeling productive, they're feeling more like their normal self. And with the distraction, maybe their symptoms calm down a bit. Other people go to work and they're 
they have higher stress, there's too many triggers, there's multiple screens, there's people talking, it's noisy, and their vestibular symptoms increase. And likewise, you know, with COVID, um, perhaps some people's symptoms are better managed because they're working from home in a quieter environment. They're not having to commute to work. Whereas other people, maybe just the stress of COVID in general has increased their symptoms. Yeah. So what's what's uh, triggering for you might actually be less triggering for someone else. It's really, I think the vestibular world in general is one big puzzle piece and no one has the same pieces. Nothing fits together the same for each person. Well, yeah. it's nice to relate to others. It's really important that you trial and error yourself, figure out what works for you. Absolutely. Everybody is different and everybody should be approached differently when it comes to treatment. And you should set your expectations to that level of difference as well. If you are following somebody on a social media platform or taking advice in a support group, you know, just because something worked for one person doesn't mean it necessarily has to work for you. Um, it just means that you have to kind of continue to, you know, go into your journey and look through what needs to work for you. Um, right. so, you know, everybody's individual, everybody's different, find a clinician who's going to treat you like your own individual person, but also hold yourself to that standard that you are different than everybody else. So don't feel discouraged or upset if what something works for somebody else doesn't work for you. Um, I mean, overall, I think today was another fantastic day and tomorrow we get to talk about vestibular rehabilitation therapy, which I'm really excited about. Yes, same. Vestibular rehabilitation therapy is obviously what Danny and I do. So <laughs> of course we're going to be excited about it. But I did see some comments today in the chat that said VRT did not work for this person or VRT made their anxiety and stress worse. Their vestibular therapist was pushing them too hard, too fast. So I'm really excited tomorrow to talk about those things. And you're right. Sometimes VRT can increase symptoms, but we actually want to stimulate symptoms. So it'll be really fun to delve more into that and get the ins and outs on what the goals of vestibular therapy are, how it works, why it works, who's appropriate, who's not appropriate. And uh, yeah, talk about our, our favorite topic ever, right? <laughs> right. And we've got a good speaker tomorrow too, another one of your co-workers, people you've worked with in the past. Um, so that'll be interesting and exciting to hear from that again. And you'll be our host again tomorrow. So I'm excited to see it back up there and back in webinar jam and getting us through Fingers another day. Crossed. Fingers crossed the whole video plays. There's no skipping forward. <laughs> I know when the video ends. Fingers crossed technology is on our side. Technology is great as long as it works. <laughs> yeah, as long as it works or as long as you know how to fix it, which I had no, I didn't even know something was wrong. So. You did fantastic. And we will remedy um, some of the missing information to make sure that people get everything that they need. Um, keep in mind, those presentations are free for 24 hours after they air. And then afterwards, you'll be able to purchase the entire week of presentations for $20, which is going to go towards Vita, go towards the great events um, and helping out uh, create some new and more resources in the future. So tune in tomorrow. We'll be back again to kind of recap everything. And we hope you guys enjoy. Day three tomorrow. Good night.